We have a visitor from New Mexico, and there's a lot to the vision. She's going to share with me later what God's showing her. But she, I wanted you to release what you shared, that word. Come on up and uh, just some things have to be released. You have to speak them, you know. Um, about two weeks ago, I was praying with a friend, and I saw myself swallow a golden nugget. And it had a little piece of paper like a fortune cookie. And it was blank, though. And I didn't want to tell my friend because it didn't seem to apply to, we were praying for the nation. I'm rolling my eyes now. <laughs> um, it didn't seem to apply to what we were praying about. But then she, he said, tell her. So she said, okay, let's pray. 
And then she said, I keep getting Moravian Falls. And she wasn't trying to figure out what was on the paper. We just started praying. But I instantly saw it written there. And um, there's a lot to it, which I'll share with our brother later. Um, but I kept hearing this on the way here. Um, the in-gathering will begin... i got to say it the way he said it. The in-gathering begins... Whoa now this day and it's the end gathering into the fullness um, it begins here and the first vision I ever had was of a wheel within a wheel and the Lord had to tell me through somebody that's called a vision <laughs> I was very green, and he had me right in the hub of the wheel, 24-hour prayer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, we agree with that. From New Mexico. He told me to give this. The door, the ancient door of faith is okay. about to be opened. Oh, my goodness. The ancient door of faith is about to be opened, and the 22 has to do with the Word, the Word and light and love. Thank you, Lord. That's amazing. We received that. And thanks for coming. You can come any time from New Mexico. And, uh, we do a little house cleaning here first, guys. So. I don't want to knock stuff over in the middle. And, uh, but anyway, let me tell you a few things, and uh, I feel like I have a word. And um, so I'll, I'll get to it, okay? You know, sometimes you have to get cranked up. And uh, so there are a lot of things. But first of all, Shirley and I, we, we saw on, you know, we're reading Fox News online, and we saw this uh, story about Daniel Ritchie. He's a guy that has no arms, no hands. You know, and he travels around the country. And when he was born, they told the mother that he'll never have a life. It's not viable. You know, you should do away with him. He's 30-something years old. His wife is, you won't, they're coming in two weeks. Anyway, I invited him to come for, you know, a number of things. One is we want to stand for life. You know, they told their mother to give him up, and now he's traveling the nation. And he has two beautiful children, and, and he's sharing the gospel. God's using him. And, um, you know, the scripture says, Psalm 22, David said, From my mother's womb you've been my God. And he said in Psalm 139, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book all my days were written when there were yet none of them. God writes out our book, the days, in the womb, even before the womb. And so anyway, he's going to be with us in two weeks. But we need to use this for a couple purposes. A lot of people have had abortions and they're carrying the guilt. So we need to minister to people. But we want to make it an evangelistic effort. So we're going to create these little cards with his picture showing him, you know, with no arms and on. And then in the back, how to get here. So that'll be in two weeks and we'll have them ready next Sunday. You can take them. No, actually, he's coming in three weeks. March 10th, Yes. And uh, so we have a few weeks to just get the word out. And, uh, you know, we want to stand for life, but also let's just believe for a mighty in-gathering of souls. And uh, 
you know, so that'll be in, in a time. But how many of you, it's good to ask this question sometimes. I write these articles and send them out. How many of you read the article I wrote this week on marriage? Yeah, look at this. What is this? You know, I, it's good to take a test to see who's doing it, you know. But uh, anyway, I, I wrote on, because it's Valentine's Day this week, you know, and, and I was reminded, well, Shirley and I were looking up, we look up stuff, we have breakfast together. And, you know, Valentine was a real person. He was a third century priest, you know, in Rome. He was martyred for his faith. And uh, he lived in a time, of course, Rome was a cesspool of sexual immorality. You name it, it was going on. Pedophilia, sexual perversion of all type. Valentine stood up for marriage. And he gave the boundaries. He spoke of, you know, there are boundaries. How many of you know God's into boundaries? Do you know Acts 17? We need to know what God's Word says, not what the local politician or whoever says. Acts 17, and from one blood he made all nations, and he determined their appointed boundaries so that they might seek the Lord. And so God placed his people. But anyway, he raised the standard in that day of the boundaries of marriage and also how marriage is to be a witness of enduring love. And uh, so you know what they did? They banned marriage in that day. It was under the edict of Claudius. They banned marriage. And so Valentine would lead people to the Lord and then marry them in secret. So you know what they did to Valentine? They, you know, they, be, I don't know if it's beheading, I don't know how they did it. But Valentine met his demise. And so that's where we get Valentine's Day. But you know, when he was in prison, before they did away with him, they wanted to see, because he led a lot of people to the Lord in prison. And they said, well, do you have the real, what, is this real, this gospel? So they brought a girl to him that was sick. He laid hands on the girl. Guess what happened? She got healed. And anyway, they just did away with him. But they're not going to do away with us. They do away with some of us. There'll be others of us that'll pop up. But I wrote this week, you know, we do have to raise the standard of marriage the way that God has, has done that. And I, I ran across an article out of, uh, was the, what is this group? They're called the American Pastors Network of Elverson, Pennsylvania. And I think it's somewhere east of, of Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, the truth is, if there's real revival, marriages are going to be healed. When the Spirit of God's moving, that's one of the things that happens because God raises a standard. Now, we know He forgives, but, uh, but still, here's, here are the principles. I just wanted to lay this out before we press on because once I press on, we're not going to stop. We will stop today, but, you know, ain't stopping for, you know what I mean? We will, but principle number one, marriage is God's model. Marriage is God's idea. It's God's plan. Now, if it's your idea, guess who can set the rules? God. He sets the rules. And uh, we don't have a vote. Our opinion doesn't matter. Now, we, we have a choice, God's way or our way. Because there's so many different perversions. We have to say, somebody's got to stand for truth. It ain't going to happen in Washington. It's going to happen in the pulpits of America. And when the pulpits shine, then America will turn. And, uh, but anyway, that's number one. You know, the authority for male and female and marriage and human sexuality and children and family. God created the idea to begin with. All right. Number two, marriage is God's foundation for society. You know, the scripture says, 
It was for this reason that God, you know, called a man to leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one. It's the foundation of a civilization. You want to attack the civilization, attack marriage. It's God's order, it's divine order. That's where it begins. And it's just the, the authority. And then marriage is one man, one woman. And I don't care what they say. God set the rules. And it's, there's no other plan. No government can say, we're going to redefine what God has defined. They may try. They may get away with it for a little bit. But ultimately, God's definition will prevail. And then marriage must be kept holy. If I was really going into this, I'd go to Malachi. Because God had a big issue with the priesthood in the book of Malachi. You remember that? He said, I am the Lord. I do not change. Now, today, everything's, well, you know, you got to keep up with the times, God. He ain't keeping up with our times. We either keep up with Him or we're not a part of Him. He's, he does. He says, I change not. And His issue was that marriage is holy. And what was it? The priests were dealing treacherously with the wife of their youth. You can read this in the book of Malachi. And that's why God said, I hate divorce. Now, you know, we talk about all the perversions. But divorce is something also that God is not esteemed as the highest in His order. There's forgiveness, there's a new beginning, there's restoration. Thank God, because there's a bunch of folks who have been divorced. Thank God He's a God of new beginning. But it must be kept holy. Somebody's got to start declaring what God said. And then marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And, uh, you know, we know, right? It's the He loved the church, He gave Himself. And I'm telling you, marriage... I personally have found it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You know, and, and we're going to celebrate our 31st anniversary this week. And um, we're going to go away, you know, and I saw it's supposed to rain all week. We're just going to go a couple days. Rain ain't going to mess up my party. It ain't going to happen, you know. And what's a little rain? But like Valentine, we are to be... We got to raise the boundaries of what God defined as holy in His Word. How many of you know men's opinions are going to come and go? The Word of God is going to last forever and ever and ever. And then we got to show, we, leaders should be modeling marriage that it's a God ordained, blessed experience and you can be in love forever. You can. And anyway, you know, we sometimes focus on those whose marriages have gone to pot. We ought to honor those who actually could say they've been married for 31 years. To say they've been married for 50 years. My grandpa and grandma were married for, was it 60 or 70? I don't remember one of them. When you get over 50, you can't even count. But, you know, it's, they, I'm telling you, it was pretty amazing. And there are a lot of people. My mom and dad were married 50 plus. Well, anyway, let me get to the word. I had to just, because it's been Valentine's Day. And you guys got to stand for truth, too. I can stand up here, but in, the, in your workplace, you know, in love, you just need to raise the standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, what does God do? He raises a standard. What is the standard? It's the truth. Not everybody's going to love the truth. That's how only those who have a love for the truth are going to be saved. And so we got to proclaim the truth. Now, this week was a special week, too. Paul Cain died. Now, who's Paul Cain? He's 89 Maybe almost 90 years old, but he, one of those men that God used mightily. What is it? Seven, I saw 76 years of ministry. Are you kidding me? That's a long time. That means I got a bunch of years left in ministry. 
but as an evangelist, he had these recurring visions of stadiums being full of people seeking God and coming to the Lord. As a prophet, he was convinced that God was going to do something unprecedented and that a wonderful, powerful revival was about to come upon the land and the nations. And, uh, the, you know, the tribute to Paul just challenged us and said, you know, step out in faith, believe God, pick up the vision for the harvest. Well, that's good vision for from New Mexico, the harvest. Contend for revival. And we're going to do it. We're going to contend. Remember what it says, where is it, in Titus? Contend for the faith. We're going to contend for revival. We're going to contend for our nation. We're going to contend for the truth. But anyway, I'm so thankful. I got to know Paul for just a short time in my little... When I was Rick Joyner's ministry assistant, Paul Kane lived upstairs where my office was. And now Paul was a real quiet guy, too. You never knew when he was around. And he had these supernatural visions all the time. And he was come, coming down the stairs one day, and I was coming around. I was trying to be real quiet. I may have told you this. But I was trying to be real quiet, walking really soft. I didn't want to disturb Paul. He might have been asleep praying. So he comes down, and we meet. Right, and scared Paul to death. I mean, not to death, but I mean, you know, he, he jumped back, grabbed his heart. I thought, this is it. I gave Paul Cain a heart attack. This is no good. You know, what are you doing? We need him. And uh, with, thank God he left the mantle for us. Well, this is a, uh, a timely day. Next week, there is a great event in Orlando, Florida. How many of you know about that? Some of you don't. It's called the Send. For, for many years, they did the call, and they would gather in stadiums and bring young people from all over America. And this is going to be... And an event in, um, in Orlando, they're believing for 60,000 young people to gather together. God has instructed Lou Engle to change the name from the call to the send. Because God is going to raise up a generation and send them. That's what this is about this morning. You know, there's something. Now, I want to show you. Here's the send. Go ahead and show us the little clip about what's going to happen next week. We all have our reasons. It could be fear, complacency, or maybe you just feel unqualified to reach your city, your campus, the nations. But you see, when we look out and see a generation that does not know Jesus, an uncommon courage rises in our heart. We push past our limitations. We break every boundary. We silence every fear. Because it only works when we all say yes. One act is powerful, but millions are unstoppable. We cannot stop until every believer's been activated, until every eye has seen, every ear has heard. Today we move forward. Today we say no to fear. Today we declare a war on inaction. On February 23rd, we are calling 60,000 believers to gather together in Orlando, Florida for a tipping point gathering that we believe could spark the greatest era of evangelism and missions in history. Amen. 
They believe that it's going to be a tipping point of the greatest error of evangelism and missions. You know, just like Paul Cain could not shake off the vision that he saw continually of stadiums being filled, I can't shake off the things I've seen as well. You know, we're also at the one-year anniversary of Billy Graham's death next week, the 21st. And those of you that are part of this congregation, you know, you know how that's special to us. But God's going to raise up a generation of not just youth. Now, you guys are going. We're going to pray for everybody going at the end of this little time here this morning. But I'm going too. I may not be going with you, but I'm going in my spirit. I'm going. This is it. This is it. We're all going. This, I'm not going to be left out of this. You know, I'm a young guy and at heart, I don't care. I can run as fast as those guys. You can too. It's time to run to do the will of God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But I want you to go with me to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I want to lay a little foundation. And then uh, I want to share with you what I believe. It's really, it's almost... What, I don't know what they're going to share in Orlando, but to me, this would fit. It's like a new strategy for the hour. A new, you know, new wine, new wineskins, because the time is short. Now, look with me, if you would. Somebody say hallelujah or something. Amen. You know, okay, look in chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's, um, let's pray, and then we'll read that. So, Lord, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you for this time we're living in the earth. Lord, you chose us for this hour. Lord, we, uh, we're called into the kingdom for such a time as this. And uh, so, Lord, we just embrace this day. Lord, we thank you, God. We're going to send people to Orlando. But, Lord, we thank you the same spirit, the same anointing is with us this morning in this place. And we believe what was spoken prophetically about that in-gathering at the gathering. And, and so, Lord, we just give ourselves. We pray God release heaven in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, ch chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. Verse 3, but fornication and uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Now notice verse 5. For this you know that no fornicator, this is sexual perversion. Everybody understand what fornication is. Any sexual activity outside of the boundaries defined in God's word, one man, one woman. No fornicator. I didn't write this. God did. No fornicator. Unclean person. That covet or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. You know what empty words are? Empty words are man's words that really don't carry much weight because they're not speaking what God said. God's word carries weight. It's eternal. Man's words are their opinion or what they picked up, you know, from someone else. But uh, we've got to make a difference. You know, when he said, uh, let not this even be named among you. There's one statement I heard way back, and uh, I can't get it out of my mind. From time to time I hear it. It says, this man said, I look for the church... And I found it in the world. 
I looked for the world and I found it in the church. That ought not be. That's what Paul is talking about. You know, and, uh, and that's exactly what, what he's speaking here. Let no one deceive you, verse 6, with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't share in their philosophy. Be different. Come out from among them and be separate, the Bible says. You know, if a bird flies into this room, you know, and it smells like a duck, and it looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck. Now, we don't have any water, but if we had some, he'd, he'd, you know, if it swims like a duck, what do you think it would be? It's a duck. Same thing, likewise. If you look like the world, if you smell like the world, if you talk like the world, if you act like the world, if you go to where the world hangs, guess what? You're of the world. It's not really, you don't have to, it's no brain scientist. You can kind of just figure it out, and that's what Paul's talking about. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, that's before you came to Jesus, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, that's pretty good. Goodness, righteousness, and truth, isn't it? The truth shall set you know the truth, and the truth sets you free. He goes on. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You know that scripture that says the will of God is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I used to think that was three different, like, you know, measures of the will of God. You know, you could have the good, good, or you could have the acceptable, acceptable to you, or the perfect. That's not what that's talking about. God doesn't have two wills. He has a perfect will of God. And His perfect will is acceptable to those who know Him, and it's good for all of those that follow Him. It's, it's the same thing. He says, finding out what is the acceptable to the Lord. Now, that's our part. We're to find out what is, in verse 9, good. Find out what is righteous. What's Christianity? Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's our part. That's what he said. Find out what is good, what is righteous, and truth. Find out the truth. In an age of lies, find out the truth is what he says. And then verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. What does the word expose mean? Reprove, call it out. If the church doesn't call out sin, who's going to? It's our part. It's our job. He said, don't have any fellowship, but reprove them. Call sin, sin. In this move of God, sin is going to become sin again. All right? We're not going to compromise. Because the wages of sin still lead to death. But the gift of God leads to eternal life in Christ Jesus. And have no fellowship with the... Un well, let's go back on down. Where are we at? Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the fruitful work of darkness. Verse 12. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. How many of you found that to be true? You find out stuff going on and you talk about it and it's shameful. You, you don't even want to talk about it. You don't even want anything to do with it. But all things that are exposed are manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. And God is mani The light is shining and things are being exposed that were hidden. It's going to happen in the church too. In fact, I've been seeing stuff written about things 
that were secret for years, they're being exposed. It's because judgment begins at the house of God. And then he says, verse 14, therefore. Now, you know what the word therefore means, right? It means see what it's there for. So you have to take it in the context of Scripture. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Wake up. That's the word to America, the church in America right now. Wake up, church. Arise from the dead. It's time like, a, like no other in all of history. See that, verse 15, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. That's good advice, isn't it? Don't walk as a fool. Hey, Dylan, is that good advice? Yeah, you should tell the young people. Hey, guys, don't walk like fools. Don't be fools. Now, you know, Jesus said something in Matthew, you don't even call people a fool, you know, and all that stuff. But he called people fool. He said, don't be unwise. Don't do what's foolish, but be wise. And then verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, he said, capture the opportunity that you have. Make the best of the life that you're living. You're not going to be here forever. Redeem the time. Go for it. You know, we, the, the opera, we're, we're on the, I tell you, it's an opportunity of a lifetime right now. The darker it gets, the greater the opportunity we have to shine. But the lifetime of an opportunity, no, the opportunity of a lifetime only lasts during the lifetime of that opportunity. And so we've got to be about it. And that's what this movement is about. It's begun. Boy, I tell you, that lady from New Mexico, I can't believe God would send her here today. Because that's what he put in my heart. This is it. This is it. This has begun. That thing next week, we're getting a, a head start. We're going to send you guys. You're already going to get what I'm telling you they're going to release there. You just go and get in more of it. Bring more back here. You know, we want it all. We want everything God's doing. I'm not going to be left out. I've always something in me. I didn't want to be left out. If I could be in two places at once, I would. I just split me up. I would do that. But I'm telling you, this missionary movement, this new movement of evangelism and missions, is going, it's not going to look like any other movement in history. It's going to be rather unconventional. Now, you think about it. Here we are in Moravian Falls. Now, we're not Moravians. Anybody a Moravian? We might have some. I'm not. None of us are Moravians. We're just living in Moravian Falls. And we are, but we want to be a part of that mantle, that foundation of prayer. 100-year prayer meeting. Now, that's pretty good. Let's see you top that. A 100-year prayer meeting. And the greatest missionary movement maybe in all of history. Or at least that's where modern missions began. And, you know, the stories are how the Moravians... Now, this is pretty radical. They would sell themselves as slaves so they could be boarded, no, brought onto a ship so they could preach the gospel in foreign lands. And that's pretty radical. That's, that's commitment. That's discipleship. But I'm telling you what God's going to do now is greater than that. It's greater. And I'm going to show you in the Scripture. I don't know how, but it's going to be greater. we got a guy coming here. At the, we're doing this missions weekend. Was it March 22nd through the 25th, 24th? And Eugene Bach is coming back. By the way, we need some houses to house some of these people. Eugene and, you know, Brother Huyun, who was in a Chinese prison. 
But anyway, Eugene Bach told us. Now, this is pretty radical, too. He said the Chinese Christians, we don't hear about this in the media. The Chinese Christians are invading the darkest places of earth with the gospel. They were in house churches underground. Now they're being released to the nations, and they're going even to the ISIS camps, leading ISIS to Jesus. Now, that's pretty radical, too. So, God, how are you going to top all this? These are unbelievable, unconventional ways, but he's going to do it. Now, go with me, if you would, to Revelation 19. Say, Revelation 19. Now, I'm going to read this because this sets where we're going finally in the book of Luke. Stay with me. Nobody gets to go to sleep this morning. It ain't happening. Not on my watch. We'll yank you out of that chair. You know, no, we wouldn't do that. We just want to be real. We want to have fun. We're not performing up here. This is not a professional priesthood. You can throw that stuff away. God's about to smash it anyway. It's not about the priest or the preacher. It's about the body of Christ. There's only one head. His name is Jesus. He's the head of the church. The last day move of God will be under the headship of Christ. That's why it's going to be so unconventional. Because your head ain't going to be able to conceive what God the head is doing. You know what I mean? Your head's going to be going, what kind of deal is this? And the religious world will really be upset. They ain't going to handle it. But anyway, let's go forward. Verse 1. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Salvation comes from Him, right? Glory all belongs to Him in this hour. You try to take any of the glory, you're in big trouble. It ain't, this is, he gets all. The whole, they, read, they sang about it. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And power and honor. For true and righteous are, the judge, are His judgments. Say true and righteous. They're true and they're righteous. Now, when they begin to break out, you and I are going to have to remind people, hey, these are the righteous judgments of God. They're in the Bible. He's not going to settle for sin continually and rebellion and putting their fists in the face of Him forever. Saying, I will define what marriage is. You must change to me. Now, they ain't going to have, He's not going to put up that forever. He's a God of justice. That's what he said. It's all in the Scripture. Righteous or judgment. Because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. Now, we don't have a lot of time, but this is Babylon. You know, the spirit. How many of you know the spirit of Babylon is on the earth today? It's alive and well in the United States. And so he's judging because of the corruption. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. The martyrs. You know, there have been martyrs all through history. Shirley and I went somewhere. I don't know where we went. Oh, we went to Asheville. I remember that's where we went. And we don't watch movies together a lot. But we were in a hotel, so we flicked around. And we saw this movie about Nero and the persecution, you know, among the early Christians. And we watched that. Now, this Nero in that movie was bizarre, absolutely out of his mind. You know what he did? He actually set the city of Rome on fire. 
Then he blamed the Christians who he hated. He said, these Christians did it. You know what they did to the Christians? They fed them to the lions. And they would hang them on crosses, on poles, as a public example. If you dare defy Rome, this is your fate. And anyway, it was a remarkable movie. But there's been persecution all through history. And how many of you know there's going to be persecution in the last days? Revelation tells us until the blood of the last martyr has been shed. Some of us are going to get to join in on that number. I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest, one of the greatest rewards. The crown of a martyr. You know, the judgment seat of Christ, there are various crowns. The crown of a martyr is one of the highest that you can receive. Anyway, that's a whole new subject as well. But, and then you know what else is going on is God's going to take vengeance of the blood of 60 million unborn babies. That's why I invited this guy to come. He could have been aborted. And I'm telling you, the Lord's going to have the final word with abortion. I don't know if they're going to pass laws, but I know that ultimately the law of God will prevail. The word of our God. He's going to take vengeance. Right now, the blood, if we could see it in the spirit, all over America, blood of 60 million plus babies are crying out. How do you know they're babies? God said it in his word. He said, your days, I knew about you even before you were in your womb. And I planned out your life. And the enemy has come to snuff them out. But I'm telling you, God's going to have the final word. And then it goes on. Let's read. Again, they said, hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Do you know we're going to say that when the judgments really begin? You're not going to go run and hide. The world will run and hide. They'll, what does it say? Rocks, fall on us. Cover us from the judgments. No, we're going to run to the rock that is higher than I. That's what David said in Psalm. And we'll stand on solid ground. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down. They said, hallelujah, his smoke rises up, smoke rises up forever. And they worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen. You know what amen means? So be it. In other words, there'll be nobody, you know, saying, God, you don't have the right to do this. They're just going to be in agreement. We're just going to say, God, this is you. God, amen. Amen. No, nobody's other's opinion is going to matter. Then a loud voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear God, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings. I'm waiting for that to happen. One time I was preaching in Asheville. And I, I don't know if it was this text, but I was talking about how the voice of God thunders. And literally, what happened? Thunder hit at that very moment. It was really cool. Scared me. I'm telling you, I wanted to run and hide. You know, I'd get out of that place. I'd, you know, I just said, whoa, God, this is serious. Because I have a fear of God. Number one, I don't want to say anything God's not saying. But number two, I want to say everything He's saying because I'm going to be held accountable. Let not many of you become teachers because with that calling will come a stricter judgment. People that run into the ministry today and they're not called of God, you are absolutely bizarre. You're crazy. You don't want to get into this unless God's called you. And then if He's called you, you don't want to run from it. So anyway, where were we? Okay, verse 6. And I heard a loud voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great 
multitude, to the sound of many waters, the sound of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Now, you know the three ways, the character of God. First of all, the omniscient, omniscient, what does that mean? All-knowing, all-wise, what else? All-seeing. You know, when we think no one's watching, guess who sees? God sees, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-wise. And then there's omnipresent. What does that mean? He's present everywhere at the same time. You hear people saying, I was praying at 7 o'clock yesterday in the morning, and God spoke to me. You might think, well, wait a minute. I was praying at 7 o'clock. God spoke to me too. How can that be? He was with me. He wasn't with you. No, he's with him and you. He's everywhere. Now, that's God. There's no way to explain that with a finite mind. God, how can you be everywhere at the same time? Because you are. You're God. And then omnipotent, and that means what? All-powerful, able to do anything, supreme. Nothing is impossible with our God. That's the, the church on the earth in this hour. Nothing. You tell me something, I tell you nothing is impossible with our God. Nothing. And they're going to have that kind of faith. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And His wife has made herself ready. The wife has to be ready. The bridegroom is coming for a bride that is ready. Now, I'm so glad she spoke that word because so many people, when you talk about the move of God, they say, well, the church is not ready. And that always throws me into a quandrum because I'm thinking, God, how will I ever really be ready? I'm flesh and blood. How am I going to be ready? That's not what the word means. The word, his wife made herself ready. You look it up in the Greek, it means to prepare. The wife has prepared You've been prepared. God is the one that's ready. I'll show you that in a little bit. It's on God's time scale, not ours. That's, anyway, we have these little religious things that people say that I think the enemy plants so that it'll just, you know, strike at your faith or something. There's all kinds of stuff out there. We should preach someday on all the cliches, especially, you know, among our crowd. People say all kinds of stuff. There's no foundational biblical root to what you said. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what he said. Now, does that mean every man's a liar? No, it doesn't. But if, if man says something opposed to what God said, guess who's the liar? It ain't God. Anyway, I don't even know where I am now. Oh, let's finish the reading. And then we'll get to Luke. You guys with me? Be ready. Oh, you know, here's what I was going to say. You know, there were people that was, they were not ready. The Lord said, "How we, the coming of the Son of Man will be as it was in the days of Noah. Noah, what is it, a hundred years preaching righteousness? You know how many people were converted? Zero. Nobody. They all thought he was, he'd lost his mind while he's building this ark for all these years. It had never even rained on the earth. And, and Noah, there's coming a big rain. You better come to God. You better get your heart right. They thought he was crazy. But Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Anyway, and it was granted, verse 8, granted to her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, 
For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now, when I read that verse, I thought, you know, wait a minute. Our righteousness, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so that's the great exchange. We give Him our unrighteousness. He gives us His righteousness, right? For He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. But that's not what this is talking about. That is true. That's the only way to come to Him is giving our sin and our filth and He gives us His righteousness. But this it talks about the righteous acts of the saints. I saw that this week as I'd never seen it before. I know the book of Acts is about the acts of the apostles. I'm telling you, there's going to be another book written. It may not be written, put in the canon of Scripture, but it's going to be written. It's called the Acts of the Saints. Amen. That righteous acts of the saints. And they're going to be unprecedented. I won't tell you again, but I've shared so many times with our people about that first mission trip to the Ukraine when Ludmilla Adamoska was gloriously born again. How many of you never heard that story? Good, I get to tell it again. I like to tell it. Good. If it's worth, I know some of you have. That's why you hear it again. There's, only, there's really nothing new under the sun. You know what I mean? But anyway, I'm preaching in the Ukraine. It's a communist. No, 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 no. Let me back up. It's not the Ukraine at that point. It's the USSR. It's the union of Soviet socialists. Hey, America, socialists. Some of us have been there. We know what it's really like. They're waiting in line to get food. We know God was kicked out of the nation. You can't have God and socialism at the same time. Socialism is when government becomes the God and the provider of the people. So anyway, we're in the USSR. I don't even know how we got there. And we almost didn't because they stopped us at the gate and it took forever for a, you know, to let us in. They took our passports and these guards were standing there with big machine guns. People started getting worried, like, well, you know, we wasted our money. We're not going to get in. And God spoke to my heart. He said, read Matthew 24, 14. So I read Matthew 20, 14 to the, the bus. I said, hey, this scripture says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. We're going to get in. Guess what happened? They, we got in. So I'm preaching in a park, standing up on a bench. I have to tell this story again. I'm sorry if you heard it many times. But I'm standing up on a bench. I don't speak Russian. I don't speak Russian. We said, does anybody speak English in this crowd? So this blonde-haired lady comes. You know, there are about 100 people. And they're just gathered. We played the guitar. They're gathering. They hadn't heard the gospel in 70 years. She comes up. We said, would you be the interpreter for the people? We want to preach the gospel. She said, oh, no. My father's a communist. He's a part of the Communist Party. I'm an atheist. We don't believe in your God. I said, you don't have to believe in anything. You just interpret. We want to speak to the people. She said, well, I want to practice my English. So she agrees. And so she stands there. And after the second, you've, I'll speed it up. The second little gospel message, Ludmilla turns around and raises her hand. I said, what are you raising your hand for? She said, I want, I want him. What do you mean you want him? I want Jesus. Yeah, but you're the interpreter. You're an atheist. I want Jesus. And by the end of the week, she was standing up on the bench with us. Now, listen, I told you that again for this story. The next time we go back, 
Because right after that, the USSR becomes the USS was. And it becomes the Ukraine. So the next time we go back and we greet Ludmilla and she says, Ludmilla, how you been? She said she went back to her high school and she led her entire high school to Jesus. I told her, Ludmilla, that's like the book of Acts. No, it's the Acts of the Saints of the Last Day Church. I'm telling you this. And God's about to rise up in the nations. In fact, Ludmilla's been serving him for years. She's an amazing lady. She should come here one day. She watches us from time to time. Then verse 9, then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called. Now keep this in mind, because this is how we're going to end up. I'm going to put it in second here in just a moment. But these are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Do you know there's a marriage supper being prepared? If you're not there, you won't be there. I mean, you're not going to get in. That marriage supper is being prepared right now. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, these are the true sayings of God. Now, I asked the Lord when I read that, what do you mean true sayings? Aren't all of your sayings true? Absolutely. John was looking into our day when, when truth would become something far and hard to find. And knowing that what God says, you proclaim the true sayings of God. What God says are true no matter what men say. And you proclaim the word of the Lord, not the word of men or the word of women. The true sayings of God. And there's coming a marriage supper of the Lamb. Now go to the book of Luke. Luke, um, one of those chapters, yeah, chapter 14. You guys with me? Okay, we're going to move forward. Don't go to sleep yet. All right? Because there's some impartation that God wants to give us. You know, we're not... I Man, I would... You know what I mean. If God's not here, I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? We can do other stuff. You've got to have the real thing or you shouldn't even be around. And uh, the Word. We have to preach the Word today like we never have before. Okay, verse 16 of Luke 14. And he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Now, this is the same supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb that's being prepared, and he invited many. When my mom used to yell out the back door, Supper's ready, that was not an invitation. You know, it was not, Hey, David, if you would like to come for supper, you better, you can come on. No, supper is ready, come now. And, you know, I learned that the hard way. You know what I'm talking about. And most of the suppers were great, especially when we had red beans and rice and sausage. That was my favorite. You guys probably never had that. My dad used to have this stuff. I, didn't, I can't understand why, how and he did it, but he would crumble up cornbread and buttermilk. Did any of you guys do that? Man, that's the craziest thing. I, I did not want any of that buttermilk cornbread. He'd eat it with a spoon and then he'd drink the rest. To me, I, oh, that was a gross... I stick to the red beans and rice. I, I don't want cornbread. Anyway, I don't know why I tell you that, but that was gross. I just remembered that this week. My dad's probably getting a kick out of that, you know. But they had a great supper and they were invited. And he sent his servants at supper time. Say supper time. Now, this is, these are, the words are in red, so Jesus, this is Jesus. It's supper time to say to those who are invited, Come, for all things are now 
ready. Say now ready. God is the one who defines when ready is ready. You see that? The Lord does. All things are now ready. Now it's interesting to see their responses. Look in verse 18. But they with all, with one accord, began to make excuses. Now remember the group in the book of Acts who were in one accord and what happened? The whole place where they were assembled was shaken. And the power of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit blew through that place. These guys were in one accord too. They were in one accord in making excuses. And none of them ended up at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Not one of them. I'll show you. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. And I ask you to have me excused. So number one, there were those who, there were things for them to see. The lust of the eye. They were led about what they could see only. They didn't see it. They couldn't believe it. They had things to see. The next group, verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Secondly, this group had things to do. The lust of the flesh. There were things they had to do, they had to accomplish other than what was most important, seeking after God and taking up their cross and following Him. And that's the whole context. And then still there was another group. In verse 20, they said, I've married a wife and therefore I can't come. Now that's not in any way downgrading marriage. What it is speaking of is a covenant relationship. This group said, I've married a wife. In other words, I'm committed to some other lover that has my heart before you. I'm in love with something else more than the Lord Jesus. And so he said, can I also be excused? And then verse 21, so that servant came and reported these things to his master. Who is the master in this text? Jesus. They reported them to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you've commanded, and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come that my house may be full. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. None of them. Not one of them. Now I want to just look at about six things and then we'll pray and ask God to just have His way. But there's things that God wants to do. This new missionary movement. As you could tell, I'd love to be in Orlando next week. I'd like to be speaking. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a little guy here in Moravian Falls. But I got a big Jesus. And I'm telling you, this is what God's saying. Right now, this is, the te- this is the Bible. This is what excites me more than anything. When the Word of God comes alive. How many of you are there? You should be there. You should read the Scripture daily. It's your daily bread. You don't read the Bible daily. You're going to starve to death. Because you're going to be caught up in the world. You won't know the difference in right and wrong because you'll have your own definition. That was given to you by the world. You've got to have the Word of God. In fact, the only way you're going to be a disciple is if you abide. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my words abide in you, you shall be my disciples indeed. That's why God's going to shake the church in America. Not everybody that says they're a disciple is a disciple. So anyway, look at it. Here's the thing. Number one, go out. 
Listen, guys, go out. If you're going to serve God in this hour, you've got to be willing to go where no man has gone before. Be a trailblazer where it's not comfortable, where maybe it's not convenient. Maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's too hot. That doesn't matter. You go out. You're willing to go. You remember last week when George was here, he showed this picture of this soldier that was charging. you got to have that go. I'm going to go at my master's beckoning. Now, you don't want to be a went, one that just went. You want to be those who were sent. You go. Jesus said, therefore, go, therefore, into all nations. And you know, it's going to be dangerous. What do you think the the Chinese Christians going behind the lines of ISIS, winning ISIS to the Lord? That's dangerous. This last generation is not going to be concerned with the danger. That's where they're going to run. They'll they'll see a sign that says danger, and they'll run toward that sign. Just like these guys running. We're going to run. All right, number one, go. Secondly, go quickly. That speaks of the urgency of the hour. In the Greek, it means speedily, rapidly, and suddenly. Now think about it. If the devil, there's some things he knows. One thing he knows is he only has a short time, right? Revelation chapter 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life, even unto death. Therefore it says, Rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he has only a short time. So if the devil knows he only has a short time, that's why there's an increase in evil today. That's why evil is coming out of the closet. They're no longer, they're not concerned with what you believe or not. They're coming out and they're declaring boldly their stand for death. You want to know how you tell the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Antichrist? The Spirit of the Antichrist will do three things. Steal. Steal your freedom. Steal your money. Steal. Number two, kill the unborn, the born, the elderly. doesn't matter. Just kill. The just. Steal, kill, and what? Destroy. Destroy nations. Destroy a generation. Destroy. The foundation of a society, marriage, destroy. That's it. The thief has not come but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. That's how you tell the difference. Life. And that you might have it more abundantly. And the devil knows he only has a short time. But if he knows, guess what? We should know as well. Ephesians chapter 5, we opened up that we are to redeem the time because of the days are evil. Redeem the time. And we've got to be running, running, willing, ready, quickly, urgently. This is an urgent message we have. Come, it's supper time. What do you think Noah shouted for all those years? Come, get your heart right with God. Repent. The rains are coming. The judgments are coming. And they had nothing to do with him. And one day the doors were slammed shut. And one day it'll be that way again. God doesn't strive with man forever. He'll convict and then there'll come a point. He'll say, well, you don't want to hear. Then you're on your own. And none of those will be at this supper. Not one. And then the next thing, go to where he sends you. Go to the highways. Go to the byways. Just 
Go. Go. Go where He has paved the way for you to go. You know, a lot of ministries in America build on what other people have laid as a foundation. I'm just telling you that happens. This last day generation is going to build on no other foundation than the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to go. And we're places maybe people think you're crazy to go. But they're going to go quickly. They're going to obey their master. They're going to build on a foundation that's going to last forever. Wherever he sins, sin. I've told you so many times. Can I tell you one more story? You know, is anybody ready to leave? But remember, I didn't know after I got out of seminary, how do you get a job? How do you become a job? I mean, how do you get to be a pastor? So I sent resumes to Texas, Louisiana, because I'm from Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida. I don't know. I might have North Carolina. I don't even know. I sent them all over except Mississippi. I did not want to go to Mississippi. I wasn't going to Mississippi. I didn't want to go. I was an LSU fan, and we didn't like Ole Miss fans. I didn't, I'm not going to Mississippi. Guess where God sent me? It's the only place that invited me to come, Mississippi. God said, I'll show you. I got nothing from Georgia, nothing from Tennessee, nothing from Texas. I was even born in Texas. You thought they'd have had a little sympathy. They didn't. I went to Mississippi. What I'm saying is, I'm telling you that, these little stories over and over again, because it doesn't matter where you want to go. It's not about where you want to go. It's not about what seems to be right. You go where the Spirit of God leads you. The sons of God are led by, not their resume, they're led by the Spirit of God. That's it. You're led by the Spirit of God, and that's always been in my heart. And I'm so glad. It's always been that way. Every place I've ever been, nobody sent me. God sent me there. And I knew it. And that's why I could stand. And then go with consistency. Because, you know, the one group said, we did, we went, we went and preached. And now your house is still room. He said, go again to the highway. So we want to go with consistency. And it doesn't matter if they listen to you or not. Remember Jeremiah? What did, the Lord said, you go. They're not going to pay any attention. Their hearts are hardened. But you go anyway. You go consistently. We're going to consistent. Then you go as to compel. In other words, you compel them. This is urgent, my friend. It's not an invitation just, you know, that you can consider lightly. This is a matter of life and death. And I want to show you something. Jude. I'm almost finished. We go to Jude. We used to have a little boy in here named Jude, and I would say, hey, Jude, you know. How are you, Jude? It was one of my favorite songs in college. How many of you liked Hey Jude? Yeah, we remember all those songs. You can't forget them. You know, if you hummed the scriptures, if you read the, the psalms and, and you kind of went around during the day singing that psalm, you'd end up memorizing that psalm. You'd remember. That's how we remember those songs. You know, another one bites the dust. You know, we never forget that song. What good is it done for us? No good at all. But if you memorize, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And on and on, then you're going to have benefit. Jude, okay, let me get back so we can wrap it up. I'm going to go see Adeline, my granddaughter, in just a little bit. I haven't seen her in two weeks. She's going to remember me. I'm telling you, she remembers me. 
She knows my name. Well, she may not know my name, but she will. All right, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and to eternal life. And on some have compassion, make it a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Which means we hate the sin. We don't compromise sin to sin. You call it sin, but you love the sinner. You pull him out. You don't have to go that way. There's a better way. His name is Jesus. And that's real love. You tell them the truth. And then you go regardless of the cost. And if you were to read back in Luke 14, that whole section from verse 25 to verse 33 is about real discipleship. No man, any man come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. He talks about the cost. If you don't hate your father and mother and come after me, you cannot follow me. He's not talking about hating mother and father. He's talking about your love for God is so great that it doesn't even, there's no comparison with anyone else. You love God first. That's the only reason I can be a good, and I hope I've been. She'll tell me this week again. The only way I can be a good husband to Shirley is I love God first. If I love him first, I'll love her with all my heart, and I do. And every day I thank God for Shirley. Maybe it's because I got married late. I don't know. You know, late. I don't know, but I'm telling you. It's the best thing that ever happened to me because I love God first. If you love God, everything else is going to fall in line. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the last thing, go to make an impact. Because look at this. In verse 34, in verse 35, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? And if it is neither fit for land or for the dunghill, but men throw it out, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. The other place where Jesus said this, he said, if your salt has lost its flavor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled underfoot by men. We gotta, we, we're the salt of the earth. We're the per, those who preserve. And that's why we go in love and we go in truth to preserve. And so a nation will be saved, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Only those that have an ear to hear will hear the call in this hour. Because the call is not just the call anymore. It's the send. Here am I. Send me. Now this is how I can close. Do you remember last week we shared about this uh, cross that was washed up on the shore out of the sea in Broward County, Florida? And it's in the news. You, you can see it. You write, read about it. This giant, what was it, Shirley? 20-foot cross? And so that was pretty exciting. We talked, I thought, man, that's great. Out of the sea of humanity, this 20-foot cross. And Broward County is one of the most corrupt counties in America. You know, the voter corruption, the Parkland shooting. All the, you know, that's a place that needs the gospel. So the cross washes up on the shore. But what I didn't know is part two is what somebody told me. You know where that cross came from. It came from North Carolina. The owner, that's what I was told, the owner, it was a cross out in the Outer Banks. And during one of the hurricanes, the cross was swept out into the sea. It went all around and came up on the shore. It came out of North Carolina. Now, you don't have to be, you know what I'm thinking. Guess what? We live in North Carolina. 
We're here. We're in North Carolina, guys. You're in North Carolina. I'm telling you, God's about to do something in the state of North Carolina. He's going to do something in Moravian Falls. Why do you think there's been great battles? Some have come, some have gone. Many have made excuses. Hey, just like Jesus said, they're going to make, all with one accord started making excuses. Can I be excused, please? Yeah, you can. You can't. Jesus didn't tell them they couldn't. But I'm telling you, he's raising up a people that are not going to have no excuses. They're going to say, ah, here am I. I'm all yours. Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? And so, Lord, I thank you for the gospel that you've entrusted us with. God, I'm just so grateful. I wouldn't want to be in any other position. You can have the presidency. You can have a king of a nation. I don't, Lord, I thank you. We get to be sons and daughters of the living God. There's no higher calling, no greater calling than to be one of yours. Lord, I just pray you touch people this morning. And I ask you to release in this place, release in this place what you want to release in advance of what's going to happen next Saturday in Orlando and also at this one-year anniversary of the death of Billy Graham and in the same week that Paul Cain, another great man of God, passed away, Lord. Now, just with our heads bowed, just, Lord, I thank you for this word. Let it make sense. I want to pray before we do that. You guys go ahead and play just what's in your heart. But there are people watching by web stream. There's so, those in this place this morning. You've never fully, truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. This is the day of salvation. And the Holy Spirit convicts us. It's a mysterious thing, really. You know, God just comes and starts speaking to your heart. No man can come to the Father unless He draws them. But He's drawing people right now watching and others. You say, what must I do to be saved? Number one, you have to admit that you're a sinner and that you need God. That's pretty easy to do, isn't it? We've all sinned and all fallen short of God's glory. But then secondly, you believe that Jesus is who He said He is. That He's the Son of God. That He died on the cross. And that He rose again from the dead. And then you confess Him. You confess, Lord, I confess You as my Lord and Savior. I confess I'm a sinner, but I confess You and your forgiveness, and then you receive him into your heart by faith. You just say, Lord, I choose to follow you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess with your mouth that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For as many that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right now, just I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you've never fully surrendered, never truly, you know you're not ready, but you hear the Spirit saying, hey, it's supper time. Come now, all things are ready. Lord, I just pray, just pray this after me. Say, dear God, pray it out loud. Let's all pray. Dear God, I believe in you. And I need you. I admit and confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. I have failed 
But I put my trust this morning in Jesus Christ, the one who lived, the one who died, the one who rose from the dead. And I confess you as my Lord. Cleanse me of all my sin. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. And I receive by faith the gift of salvation. And I thank you for forgiveness and mercy and the promise of eternal life. And if you prayed that, make sure you share with us, share with someone, right? You guys watching online, you can connect with us at the Gathering Church office at gmail.com and we'll send you some, some literature. You know, this happened. A guy in Kenya was watching, got saved, remember? And he started a church out of watching the web stream. That's pretty cool. We can change nations by just preaching the gospel. Now let's stand. I want to pray for an impartation. How many of you want what God's doing in this? You want a fresh anointing, fresh impartation. I believe what it is. It's just like, you know, the new wine skin. I think about if I could, I don't know Lou Engel, but if I could tell him this, I would say, Lou, you know, the call has been soaking in prayer, fasting and prayer for what? 20, 30, well, how many years? And what they've been doing is soaking their wine skins. Now they're new wine skins and now comes the new wine. Now God's saying, okay, you've been soaked enough. Now go. And a generation is going to run to the nation, to the campuses of our nation, to the cities of our nation, from the churches of our nation. And they're going to carry with them the fire of the gospel. I'm telling you, there's a harvest intended for every one of us. And we're going to see it happen. And so now you just receive by faith. Father, by faith, in the name of Jesus, I release and I pray for a mantle, the same mantle that I know they're going to pray about next week in Orlando. God, this is our day, and I pray that you would impart the mantle for souls, evangelism. God, I ask you to release vision for missions that are unconventional, that have never even been thought of. But God, that people would be running to the mission field, they would be running to places that you send them, building on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And I thank you for it, God. Release faith. I pray for uh, the agenda. I pray for ideas. I pray for dreams and visions. But most of all, for the anointing to be all we've been called to be, to do all we've been called to do, to redeem the time because the days are evil. And I thank you, not one person under the sound of my voice is going to miss it. I don't care where they've been, even if you've blown it, you got off course, today is a new day. Today is a day of new beginning. God is a merciful kind. He's loving. He's relentless in his love over us and i thank you for it god in jesus name amen